All right. Good morning, you guys. It occurred to me this week, there are a few things that I have never, ever heard anyone say. And my guess is you probably never heard anyone say these things either. I have never heard somebody say, ever since I got into financial debt, I am so happy. Life is so good now that I have this giant mortgage and payments. I just love it. I've never heard a husband say, back before we had payments, my wife and I used to fight all the time. We were just constantly at each other's throats. And now that we do have payments, now that we owe $65,000 on this brand new sparkly truck, we don't argue anymore. No, I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard a single girl say, you know, I'm just looking for a guy who's got a repo on his record. If I could find a guy... No, I've never heard that, ever. I've never had somebody say to me, Pastor Dan, I am so thankful for my debt. I lay in bed each night and I praise Jesus for the fact that I get to pay 19% interest on all of my stuff. I've never heard those things before. Have you? No, of course not. Nobody would ever say those things because we know that financial stress is bad. And obviously, we live in a world where people carry around a lot of financial debt and stress load. You might even be in that situation today. We know that it's not a good thing. It's not a pleasant way to live. And so I've started this sermon off this morning with a little bit of fun because I want to share some numbers and some statistics with you that are not so much fun. I want to share with you some truths about our current situation as individuals across this country. And I want to say that these are obviously not good facts. These are not things that we should be excited or celebrate or anything like that. But I do want you to know that if this, these numbers that I'm about to share, if they describe you, if this is your situation, I, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to pile on to your stress load or anything this morning. In fact, what I hope to do is to help you to see how God wants to set you free from the financial stress that you're carrying around right now. So let me share a few numbers with you and let's see how they strike you. Let's see if they describe your situation at all. First one is this. Half of all adults in North America have more credit card debt than savings. All right, raise your hand if that's true of you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't raise your hand. I would never do that. I'm only teasing. Half, though, half of all adults in Canada and the U.S. have more credit card debt than savings. 25% of adults in our nation have no savings at all. Whew, that's got to be a tough way to live. Did you know that the average household in Canada has $16,000 worth of credit card debt? That is a lot of debt. And that's just the average. Obviously, there are people that have lots more and people that have smaller amounts and yet still carry it around. The average Canadian owes $1.70 for every single dollar of take-home pay that they have. So you make your gross salary, then you pay the government their taxes, and that take-home money that you have, if you're average, you owe $1.70 for every single dollar you bring home each month. Man, those are scary numbers, aren't they? That has got to be a tough way to live. In fact, people who um, fall into these categories, even if you do this morning, you know that this is a stressful way to live. You feel the weight and the burden of carrying around that much debt day in and day out. It has got to be very, very hard 
to carry that level of stress and anxiety and pain every single day. And yet, most people in our city do. In fact, many people in this auditorium, this describes you to a T. I want to say once more, I'm not picking on you guys. You're not bad because these numbers describe you. You're typical. You're average. But in this series that we're doing this month, we're calling it Making Change because we believe that God wants you to make some changes in your financial life that will take you from where you are to where you want to be. Now, I've told you guys last week, I'm going to tell you again today and throughout this message series, this is not some plan to get you to give money to me, okay? There's no big giving pitch coming at the end of today's message. That's next week. No, I'm just kidding, all right? I'm not going, this is not a setup to get into your bank account. I'm not interested in your money. I don't think God is interested in getting your money, but what I do believe is God wants you to be free from the anxiety and pain that you're carrying around right now because of the debt that you have. And so in this series, We've talked about four things, okay? We've talked four truths, principles. They're all taken from the scripture. They are incredibly important, and they're so simple. If you were to put these into practice week in and week out, month in and month out, your financial situation would be very, very different from what it likely is today. Last week, we said less is more. Do you remember that? If you were here, we had gummy bears all over the stage, and uh, I said one handful with peace is better than two handfuls if it leads to toil and chasing the winds. That's a verse from the book of Ecclesiastes. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that stress is bad. Can anybody say amen to that? Even if you've never said amen to anything in church before, you can say amen to that. Stress is bad. In particular, financial stress is one of the worst kinds of stress that you can carry around. Next week, we'll talk about how good giving is. It actually is more blessed to give than to receive. And then we'll talk about how tomorrow matters, how you have an opportunity to invest in something eternal if you can free yourself up from your current financial situation. So stress is bad. Can we say that together? Stress is bad. That was pretty good. I'm not even gonna make you do it again because that was pretty good on the first try. But unfortunately... Most of us in our world today learn that financial stress is bad the hard way, don't we? We don't take grandma's advice, you know, she tells us now, don't get into a bunch of debt, it's not worth it, don't overextend yourself, don't spend more than you have in the, you know, we don't listen to grandma when she teaches us this stuff, we just go, you know, right in. And we find ourselves in a situation where maybe we have borrowed more than we intended, maybe we have um, obligated ourselves to some bills that are larger than what we're making currently, maybe our situation changed, you had the money at one time, but then you got let go, and now all of a sudden you're in this very tough spot. We get into these financial situations and we learn the hard way how true Proverbs 22.7 is. Are you familiar with Proverbs 22.7? It's a very important financial principle. Look at what it says. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. That is a very true verse. A borrower is always a servant to a lender. That's harsh, but it's reality. That's not an easy pill for us to swallow in the 21st century, but man, there are a lot of us that are figuring this out firsthand, right? Now, 
I don't like the idea of rewriting Bible verses. As a pastor, that's a pretty bad thing to get in the habit of doing. But just this once, I'm going to do it. If I were going to rewrite this verse, if I were going to rephrase it a little bit, I would rephrase it this way. And I want you to understand this truth. It is so powerful. Proverbs 22, 7 tells us that every time I borrow, I gain a new boss. Every time I borrow, I gain a new boss. That's what the Bible means when it says the borrower becomes the servant of the lender. See, it doesn't matter whether you're borrowing financially from the bank or from a finance company or from your brother-in-law, always a bad idea. It doesn't matter who it is that you're borrowing money from. Every time you and I borrow from someone or some organization, we enter into a power imbalance. They become the ruler. They become the shot caller in our lives. We no longer have the freedom to choose whatever we want to do with our money. Instead, we have to meet the obligations that the lender set for us. Anytime you get a new opportunity or there's something new you want to go buy, no longer can you just walk out and get it. Now you have to go through a new approval process, don't you? You have to ask yourself, Can I really afford to go buy this considering the fact that I owe MasterCard $1,900 this month? See, now you've got somebody else that has to sign off on whatever you do with your money. Every time you borrow, you gain a new boss. Imagine for a second that there was somebody in the church, a family, and the dad loses his job. And they're struggling and you're like, man, I want to help them. I would hate for their kids. They're like the cutest kids I've ever seen. I would hate for their kids to have a sad Christmas. I want to give them money to make things a little bit better in their household. And you realize I can't help them and pay my credit card bill this month. So imagine you decided to pick up the phone and call MasterCard and you said, hey, MasterCard, um, there's this family in my church and the dad lost his job and the kids are the cutest kids you've ever seen in your entire life and I would hate for them to have a sad little Christmas, but I can't afford to pay you and help them out. Would it be okay if I didn't pay you this month and I did give to this family who is in need? Does anybody think MasterCard would say, sure, go ahead, don't pay us, it's no big deal? Of course not. They would say, listen, we feel bad for them. Truly we do. And I wish you were able to help, but you've got obligations. You signed on to this contract. You owe us money. You got to pay. See, every time I borrow, I gain a new boss. The borrower is always servant to the lender. So it's easy to get credit, but you don't really realize what you're signing up for. You're signing up for a new boss. And I don't know anybody that wants another boss in their life, but that's what happens. Every time I borrow, I gain a new boss. Now guys, it does not have to be this way. You do not have to stress about your finances. I mean this sincerely. You do not have to carry around an average or typical debt load. You do not have to sweat your bills every single month. It does not have to happen. In fact, I'm going to invite you to do something really pleasant. Close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine being financially free. Like not sweating the bills, not worried about how much you have in the bank versus what you're obligated to pay. How great would it be to not worry about money? Oh man, that feels good, doesn't it? Like imagine for a second that something broke and you just went out and fixed it. You didn't have to sweat it. You didn't have to stress about how to make it happen. You didn't have to split the transaction between multiple credit cards. You just had the margin to take care of it without borrowing. How cool would that be? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? 
I mean, imagine for a second that there's something you want. And rather than worrying about like, ah, I shouldn't be tapping the card right now, but I want this so bad, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. You just walked in and paid cash. And then there was no guilt. And you could enjoy that thing forever because you didn't have to worry about paying the bill at the end of the month. Wouldn't that be amazing? Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could imagine a situation in which there was a family in need at your work or in your neighborhood, and you had enough financial margin in your life that you could give to help them, and you didn't need to worry about whether or not you got paid back. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, I'm not saying that you, you should always give and not ask for it to be repaid, but, you know, like, wouldn't it be nice to not have to worry about it? I think it would be. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could go on a vacation anywhere in the world, and the only thing that you and your spouse fought about was where you were going to go, not how much it's going to cost. If the only argument you had was whether you're going to Paris or Sydney, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? That is possible. It really is, because when you follow the principles that are lined out in the scripture, you find, you discover, you live in financial freedom. But the only way that that is ever going to happen is if you start making change. If you are in a typical situation where you have this credit card debt, where you are overextended maybe on your car loans, where your family, your marriage in particular is struggling, can I just say something very obvious? If you don't start making change, nothing is ever going to change. It is time to do something differently in your financial life. And maybe, just maybe, you might find this financial freedom that the Bible's talking about. So can I tell you something that you might not believe at first? Can I tell you, if you carry around a lot of financial stress, if you're feeling overburdened by debt and you're like, man, you know, I would love to be free from this. I would love to give generously. I would love to invest in God's kingdom, but I can't because I'm just carrying around all this obligation. Can I tell you that the answer to your financial stress is not more money? Do you know that? It's really not. The answer to your financial stress is not more money. See, we think, oh, if I just get more money, like if I get promoted and get a raise, or if I start this side hustle, or I force my wife to go back to work, then we will have enough money and I won't be stressed anymore. If I had more actual money, I wouldn't need to borrow so much virtual money, right? But I can prove to you that that's not the way the world works. You don't become financially free. You don't lose financial stress just because you have more money. Let me prove it. You don't think of yourself as rich, but you are extremely rich. You say, oh, no, man, you should see my neighbors. They drive the nicest. They live in the biggest. They wear the best. You should see my neighbors. I know if you compare yourself to other Canadians, there are people who are much better off than you. You don't feel rich. But if you zoom out and you look at us on a global scale, do you realize that no matter what percentile of Canadian earner you fall into, you are one of the top 1% or 2% richest people on the planet? You are one of the richest people on the planet. Do you understand that for the rest of the world, they would mention your name with Richard Branson and Bill Gates? They would say th that kind of money, the kind of money that you and Bill Gates have. Because on the biggest scale, we actually have a lot. We are quite rich. Now, here's the deal. This is what I find so ironic. This is why going on a foreign mission trip is so helpful. People who have less stuff than we do actually have less financial stress than we do. You have more money and resources 
And at the same time, you have more financial stress than my friends in Honduras do. Isn't that ironic? See, we think if I just get more money, then my stress will go away. But your life today proves that that's not how it works. You don't get more money and suddenly all your problems disappear. In fact, often the problem gets worse. You see, the the stress in your life is not caused by a lack of resources. It's caused by how we manage the resources that we already have. That's the reason that we find ourselves in financial stress. I told you guys, we're gonna say some harsh things this morning, but they're true and they have the power to set you free. Now, Jesus himself actually said this. If you look in Luke chapter number 16 here, the Bible's got this amazing passage, um, this quote of Jesus where he says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are untrustworthy in little things, you won't be trustworthy with greater responsibilities. And then if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, then who's gonna trust you with the riches of heaven? See, having more does not change your situation. It does not make your financial stress go away. Remember what I said last week, less is actually more. It is better to have one handful and peace than to have two handfuls if it causes you to hate your life every single day. See, here's the thing about money that we have a hard time believing, but it's true. Money only makes you more of what you already are. Money only makes you more of what you already are. So getting more money is not the answer to your financial stress. See, if you are a very loose spender, you know, like you just like, I love buying stuff and retail therapy. If that's you, you think, oh, well, if I get more money, then I'll have enough to buy all the stuff I want and pay my bills and I won't have financial stress. You know what'll happen? You'll get more money and you'll spend more. If you're a stingy person, if you're a saver, I'll put it nicely, if you're a saver and you get more money, do you realize you won't suddenly become generous because you have more? You'll just have more to be stingy with. If you're generous making minimum wage, Jesus says you'll be generous when you're making more. But if you're not generous when you have little, you don't magically become generous when you have more because money only makes you more of what you already are. Money is not the answer. Managing money is how things are going to change. All right. If it's not getting more money, if it's managing money, like what do we do? How do we make this transition? I'm, Dan, I'm experiencing a lot of financial stress right now. I hate it. I want to be free. I would love to be free to be able to take trips and give to people in need and you know, all these different things. But how do I get from where I am to where I want to be? I think the answer is to pray. I know that sounds so stupid, you guys. I totally get it. You're like, are you kidding me? You just built this up for 20 minutes. You gave me all these financial statistics. You acted like you were about to give me some incredible piece of financial planning. And then you told me to pray. Don't leave just yet, okay? (laughs) Stay with me for a second. I mean this. I think there are three one-sentence prayers That if you said these every single day, your financial situation would be completely different. All of them are based in the scripture. All of them are so small, so short, and so powerful. 
So let me show you the first one and maybe you'll give me a little more credibility. Maybe every single day you should wake up and your first prayer should be, God, give me self-control. That's a short prayer, but can you imagine how different things might be if you actually had self-control? See, Proverbs tells us a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Imagine an ancient city that had no walls. They are defenseless. There's nothing to prevent attacks from coming from the outside or even from within. Some of us live a defenseless financial life. We have no self-control. We have no walls up. It's like, I want it. I got to have it. I'm going to go get it. The truth is all of us have a two-year-old living inside of us. You know what I'm talking about? When you're at the grocery store and you see a two-year-old just pitching a fit because they want a candy bar or a balloon or something, and they're screaming, and you're like, won't somebody do something about that kid? What do the adults do? They're like, here, kid, just shut up. Stop crying. Stop screaming. Take it. And you and I do that to ourselves every single day. We see something shiny and new that we want, and the two-year-old inside of us starts screaming, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And eventually the adult inside of us that says, this is a bad idea, but you know what? Just shut up, kid, take it, here. And you buy yourself whatever you want and the two-year-old stops screaming for a little while. God, give us self-control. Help us to lock that little two-year-old up. Help us not to listen and give in when he's screaming like crazy and trying to get us to do something that's gonna compromise the financial future that God wants for us. Now, here's the cool part. God's plan for your financial life it's not for you to say no forever, right? I'm telling you, you should say no. When that two-year-old starts screaming, when you want something new, you should say no to it. But his plan is not for you to just deny yourself forever, always say no, take a vow of poverty, you know, that sort of thing. In fact, I believe God actually has something much better in store for his children. And that is that if we will learn to say no for a little while, then we can learn to say yes for the rest of our lives. If we can learn to say no for a little while, then we will be free to say yes for the rest of our lives. If we can deny ourselves in the short term, then we will have the freedom and the margin and the resources to do far more than we even think is possible. It is a reality. That if you can say no today, you will be able to say yes tomorrow. But if you always say yes today, the borrower or servant to the lender, every time I borrow, I gain a new boss. If you say yes today, you may very well set yourself up for a future in which you cannot say yes anymore. When we learn to say no for a little while, we become free to say yes for the rest of our lives. Now, some of us need some help saying no on the day-to-day. Like on the reg, there's like little purchases that we make constantly, you know? And that's how we're, we're, we're getting ourselves into trouble. We, we find ourselves nickeling and diming ourselves into stress. And so we just make little purchases and we justify it. And we're like, eh, it's, you know, it's 25 bucks here and it's $35 there. It's not a big deal. And we ignore the fact that little purchases add up over time, don't they? Um, maybe if I can pick on you ladies a little bit, I'm going to pick on men in just a sec. Okay. So please, you know, just stay with me for a sec. But if I can pick on you ladies for a sec, it's like very easy to just make little purchases here and there and do little things and to forget how quickly they can add up over time. 
But if you can learn to say no today, then you will be able to say yes in the future. It, let, me, let me say, maybe you ladies like to go get your nails done, and I'm not picking on you if you do, please, this is just an example, okay? Maybe you love to go get your nails done. You like them to look fancy. And you think to yourself, it's not a big deal because it's a, it's a small expense and I just do it you know, every other month or every month or something like that. It's not a big deal. But listen, if you're just tapping the card in order to pay for that and you're not paying that credit card bill at the end of the month, then it's not a small expense. It's an expense that keeps compounding over time. And so while it's easy to rationalize and justify, these are the small little decisions that over time will get us into big trouble. So maybe if you said no to getting your nails done this week and for the next few weeks, got your financial ship in order, then you'd be free to say yes for the rest of your life. You could take all your girlfriends out and get the nails done. You could pay for all their kids to get their nails done. And you wouldn't feel guilty at all because you're not charging it. You're not borrowing against it. Guys, we tend to do a little bit of the opposite. I mean, some of you guys are nickel and dimers and you just spend your way over time. But usually, guys walk in the front door and they're like, honey, I bought a camper. <laughs> we make this one big stupid decision. We're like, let's just blow it all up at once. I don't know whether you need a little bit of self-control each day or you need self-control over these big temptations you face, but you should wake up each day and say, God, give me self-control today. That's what I need in my life more than anything. I need you to give me self-control. Second prayer you should pray. God, give me understanding. God, give me understanding. I want to know and understand the consequences of the decisions that I'm making. I think if we had a better understanding of what we were doing financially each day, then it would change our habits super quick. Let me illustrate this for you, okay? I told you at the top of the message that the average Canadian household has $16,000 in credit card debt, okay? That's average. Most of you guys in the room are somewhere around that range. So let me just give you a little bit of facts that you've avoided thinking about up to this point. If you have $16,000 in credit card debt and you're paying 19% interest on that card and you decide, I'm going to start paying it off $250 a month. Every month, I'm going to make my payments without fail. Do you realize paying $16,000 a month at $250 at a chunk over 19% interest that it will take you 40 years to pay off that $16,000 of credit card debt? 40 years. And they will charge you $105,000 in interest to borrow $16,000 for stuff that you can't fit into anymore. God, give me understanding. Help me to see what I'm doing. Help me to see what I'm sacrificing. Help me to see what I'm really signing up for, what I'm missing out on when I choose this sort of financial life? What if you were to flip it around? What if you didn't have $16,000 in credit card debt and you said, I'm gonna invest that $16,000? If you took that $16,000, you put it into an investment account and you left it in there for 40 years, the same amount of time it would take you to pay off that credit card debt, and you were getting 12% interest over that time, do you realize at the end of 40 years, that same $16,000 will equal $1.5 million in your bank account? 
It's the same amount of money. It's just working for you instead of against you. Let's go one step further just for fun. If you were to take that $16,000 and you were to put it into an investment account and you were getting 12%, but you said, that's not good enough. Each month, I'm, because I don't have any credit card payments, the same $250 that I was going to send to MasterCard, instead, I'm going to funnel it into this investment account. If you put in $16,000 and $250 a month for 40 years at 12% interest, you would retire with $4.5 million in the bank. God, give me understanding. God, help me to see how insanely powerful money is when it controls me. God, help me to see how insanely powerful money can be for your kingdom's sake if I learn to control it. God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. Final prayer. God, give me a plan. God, please give me a plan. See, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 21 that good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. If you were to translate that original Greek or rather Hebrew phrase there, hasty shortcuts, it literally means to tap your card at the register. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. That's not true. Um, Hard work leads to prosperity. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Here's the truth. You can wander into debt. You can mistake your way into debt. You can accidentally find yourself in a bad financial situation, but you cannot mistake your way out of that situation. You need a plan. You need to start making change or nothing will ever change. Yes, it's hard work. There is no doubt it is hard work to say no to the screaming two-year-old. And it is hard work to be financially disciplined, to pay back money that you start resenting. But if you can do it, the Bible says you will eventually find prosperity. You will find freedom. You will find opportunity that you don't believe or understand how powerful it is at this point in your life. God, give me a plan. So what I want to do is I, I don't have time to lay out a financial plan for you. I think the Bible's got a pretty solid one. There are some principles in there that if you start to work them, they will start to work for you. But I want to help you with a couple of resources. And then I've got some friends that are coming to, to share a little testimony about their own lives. Um, so there are two, well, actually three things I want to point you towards. Okay. The first one is our financial peace connect group. We have a connect group that is designed to help people who are deep in debt figure out what the Bible has to say in getting out of that debt, finding freedom, and then using resources to serve God's kingdom. I would encourage you guys, it's too late to get in for this semester, but we're going to have it again. And when it comes around, if you find yourself in January or February and you are carrying around significant debt and you want to make change, that's the group you need to go to. It is full of people. It's one of our largest connect groups, and people are actually finding freedom in this group. We had one couple that paid off almost $50,000 in credit card debt this last year alone by simply following these principles that they talk about. So that's number one. Number two, we've got a book for you today. If you weren't here last week and you didn't get a copy of this book called The Treasure Principle, on your way out, I want you to stop by the Welcome Center and I want you to take one. It's that book on your right. Um, it's out there and it's free. And this book details how once you find financial freedom, you can use the resources that God has blessed you with to make a difference in the world. It's totally free. I've only got about a dozen copies left. 
we gave away that. We gave away 200 of them almost last week. So if you didn't get one, like push past it. Those people that just walked out, they went to go get their book right now. Um, do whatever you have to do. Go get this book. Read it. Put it into practice and then pass it on to somebody else who might need it. If you are like, hey, this connect group you mentioned sounds pretty good. I'd like to get plugged into that, but you know, it's not starting again until the end of January. What do I do in the meantime? I would encourage you to get a book called Tony, Total Money Makeover. It's by a guy named Dave Ramsey. He's a Christian. He has a lot of really smart advice. In fact, it's his program that we use in our connect group. And again, it, it, there's no pitch here. You don't pay to sign up for this. It's not like you know, this is some, uh, there's nothing beyond like we wanna help you be free. That's it. That's all we want. So those are the three things that I would love for you to do. If you find yourself stressed out because stress is bad, let's say that together. Stress is bad. If you find yourself stressed out, then start praying. God, give me understanding. God, give me self-control. God, give me a plan. And then find a plan and start working it. You will discover freedom and your financial situation will be better than you ever thought it could be. Now, to wrap up our service this morning, I'm going to invite my friends, Alan and Robin Manzano, to come up here, and they're going to share. Yeah, you guys can cheer for them. They're amazing. Each week, we're going to be sharing with you the stories of random people from the congregation, just normal people. They're not pastors. They're just people like you and me, and um, they... It's true. Um, and what we're doing is we're highlighting the fact that there are people who take these biblical principles seriously. They put them into practice and it changes their lives. And so Alan and Robin are not up here because we want to put them in the spotlight. Um, they're not up here bragging and saying, hey, look, we've made all the right decisions. They'll tell you they haven't made all the right decisions in their life, but they've tried to honor God and his principles and it has brought them freedom of fulfillment in a way that they didn't know was possible. So I'm going to let them share their story with you and I'll be back in just a moment. Yeah, so I didn't grow up in the church. Um, in fact, that was one thing that my parents kind of deterred them from church was the tithing piece of it. They're new immigrants. Um, they struggled, and I grew up in that, and it was like, okay, keep your money close. Like, always have a plan. Like, it's yours. Use it kind of thing, and um, just hold on to it. And so when I became a Christian um, as a teenager, my pastor talked a lot about how um, giving back to God and living generously really loosens that grip uh, that money and material things can have on your heart. And I wanted all that freedom. <laughs> and so I began the journey of just um, taking small steps to just loosen and hold this loosely and looser and use it for him. And when we got married, thankfully, we were on the same page about um, giving and giving regularly and living generously. Um, and just take seriously Malachi 310 that will test God in this and let's see if God will really just pour on the blessing. Um, and it was hard, for sure, we're a new couple. Um, but really, as we opened up our resources, we found that we could receive more of God and the things that really satisfied us. Yeah, yeah. Um, what made it really hard for us when we first got married is that we were, we were still young, uh, trying to figure out how to be real adults. So we had a mortgage, we had bills, we had a whole bunch of other things that everybody else has as well. Um, and, and, and there would be a time when, you know, during the church service, when the buckets would go by, we'd write the check, stick it in the envelope, and as the bucket would go by, we'd literally do something like this. Uh, okay, take the money. You know, and, and it would just 
disappear. But what was really, really cool about that is we would see God work in some really neat ways. Some of those bills that we were talking about would go from really, really big, and when they show up in the mail, they would show up really smaller than we were expecting. Uh, sometimes we'd get a bonus out of nowhere, or sometimes just things would happen that God would provide. And what was neat about the whole thing is that it didn't happen all the time. It's not like we gave the money and all of a sudden we hit the jackpot and ting, ting, ting. You know, it wasn't that. Uh, what it was was whenever we needed something, God's timing was always right. He provided when we needed what we needed every single time. Now, what's cool about that is it, it really started to help us flex some of the muscles that we were really trying to grow at this point in generosity. Uh, you know, it helped build capacity. In fact, it helped us really loosen our grip on some of the finances in such a way that when we felt the Holy Spirit nudge us, you know, when, when he'd put faces of people, couples, families right into our minds, we would talk about it. We'd pray about it. We'd struggle through it oftentimes. And when we struggle through it, we'd, we'd have the conversation. And then our next trip would be to the grocery store. Or we'd be to buy these gift cards or would be to give somebody something. And, and what we noticed was a couple days later, a couple weeks, sometimes months later, we found out that giving to those people was the right thing to do for whatever reason. Um, now, yeah, Dan's right. We're not up here. We're just, the last thing we want to do is come up here and brag because that's just not us. But one thing that we have learned throughout this whole process that we're still growing in right now is really that our possessions just don't possess us. Uh, it, it's, it's become something that we're continuing to work on, and it's not easy. But, but while we give, we know that God will still continue to take care of us through it all. Uh, that's pretty much our story. All right?